Hey there, this is AJ. I'm so glad you've joined us today on Faith for My Generation podcast. I want to remind you that our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word, and our mission is to create a resource of teachings that build strong faith in God. You know, that really is my prayer, that as you hear this message today, that the power of God's Word, anointed by the Holy Spirit, will stir up your most holy faith in Him so that you can be a light and a witness and a testimony of the living God in this earth. I pray that this message will richly bless you and increase you in spirit, soul, and in body. Now, let's get to the message. Amen. Amen. Happy to be in the house of the Lord today. You made a good decision to be here. I love you. Appreciate you. My church family. All right, we ready to get in the Word? Going to do something a little bit different. Who's got their Bible today? Say something a little bit different. Let's go ahead and get our Bible. Let's make this confession. Say, this is my Bible. It's written to me. This is my Bible, and I believe it. This is my Bible, and I'm going to act on it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn with me to chapter... Uh, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 20. And uh, I've been sharing something that the Lord laid on my heart earlier this year about boldness, being bold for Jesus. It is necessary. And then the more I'm, uh, you know, it's like if you, I saw a picture the other day of, of these about 20 men on this railroad card, car going down into a mountain to go mine copper. It was a black and white picture from 1906. And, and we do the same thing with this Word of God. You can't just go one trip and get everything that's in there. Amen? You've got to mine the depths of the Word of God. You've got to keep going, keep going, keep going. And as we study, as we go before the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, teach me your Word, you're going to new, find something new every time. Because the Word of God's alive and powerful. And if it's alive, that means it's, it's there, it's vibrant, it's whole, it's filling, it's, it's reverberating, it's filling, it's, it has a force that will change your life. And so, um, you know, to no surprise, installment number four of this series, Bold, Rise Up and Build. Someone say, Rise Up and Build. Now is the time to rise up and build. Not tomorrow, and yesterday's gone. Now is the time to rise up and build. Regardless of what's going on in the earth, opinion of other people, if you're a child of God, any children of God here? House full, amen? If you're not, you can become one today. If you're a child of God, now's the time to do what God's put you on this earth to do. Now is the time to go forth violently. The book of Matthew says that the kingdom of heaven, that's you and I on the earth, suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. I'm not waiting on something to be given. I will take for Jesus. I'm not waiting for something to be handed over. I will forcefully take it. And I'm not warring against flesh and blood. You have to make that decision today. You have to make that clear today. Some people say, well, you sound very militant. Oh, I'm extremely militant. Spiritually casting down strongholds and will take for Christ what He has put before us. Amen? 
All right, so rise up and build. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 20. We're going to read this main text. This is what we're going to go off on today, the entire service. And we're going to be in Nehemiah back and forth. So if you want to mark it, do it. Nehemiah 2, verse 20. So I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. Let me read it one more time. Look, put your eyes on it once more, and then we're going to get into exactly what's going on here. So I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. Maybe you've read the book of Nehemiah. Maybe you never have. If you have not read the book of Nehemiah, homework. Go home and read it this week. Thirteen chapters, two a day, and you'll be one ahead. It will change your life like any part of the Bible will. But what's going on? So you don't have time. I don't, we can't stop and let you read Nehemiah for 37 minutes and then move on. We've got things to cover. So maybe, maybe you, it's been a while since you've read it. Maybe it's been a while since you've studied it. Maybe you're not familiar with it. Nehemiah was a man in the Old Testament. He was the cupbearer. Someone say cupbearer. He was someone whose job literally was to hold the wine cup of the king of Persia. Now, to you, that might think, well, that sounds like a slave's job. Though he was a captive... And though he was a slave taken captive through warfare, the nation of Babylon rose up and came and destroyed Israel because of their sin. How many knows if a nation continues in its sin, it will be destroyed? Babylon was Israel was destroyed because God allowed the wages of sin, which are death and destruction, to come on Israel. Babylon was given over because the king at that time rose up in pride. So God took out Babylon with the kingdom of Persia. And because of the faithful prayers of righteous men, Israel was restored, Daniel specifically. He was praying because he saw through the prophet of Jeremiah, though that God allowed destruction to come, he also knows that God is a God of second chances. How many is thankful that God is a God of second chances? And Daniel began to pray and seek out the things of God. And he saw in the book of Jeremiah, he said, Look, Lord, and you said 70 years would pass and we would be able to rebuild Israel again. And he began to bring before the Lord remembrance of his word. And so that time comes to pass. There's three waves of Israelite people who leave a Persian bondage to go back to and rebuild Israel. Because God moved on the king at that time, King Cyrus. And he moved on the king. How many knows the heart of the king is in the Lord's hand and he can turn it whichever way he wants? He moved the heart, King Cyrus's heart, and King Cyrus said, God of heaven has told me we're going to rebuild Israel. I'm going to finance it. Hey, that sounds like what I've seen in the book of Psalms. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. And a righteous man will lay up an inheritance for his children's children. King Cyrus said, I'm going to finance, protect, and begin the rebuilding of the temple of the God of heaven. So he sends back people who have been bound in captivity. 
There's three waves. Nehemiah is the last and third wave that come from Persia. He's there, and we get back to him. He's a cupbearer. He holds the cup of the king. You might think, didn't they have coasters back then? If you're the king of the largest empire on the earth, you may can have golden-plated coasters, but why even reach out and grab it if you don't have to? It may sound like a little job, but understand, Nehemiah had to be trusted. You don't let a man stand behind you to off to the side if you don't trust him. I'm like John Wayne. When I go sit down somewhere, I make sure my back is against the wall, and I'm looking toward the door, right? You don't allow someone to stand beside you at all the time because, you know, it's just a matter of some gold coins given to them and kill that king, and lo and behold, his cousin just became king. He was a trusted man. And though he was in captivity, and I've said this about with Joseph, though he may have been in an imperfect situation, he rose to the top. It's like with Joseph. If you're going to go to jail, one, go to jail for the right reasons. But if you're going to be in the prison, be the head prisoner. If you're going to be a slave in Potiphar's house, be the head slave. And if you're going to be bound up in captivity, be the king's right-hand man. So we see Nehemiah. A quick summary of what takes place, and we're going to get in a few points and see how the boldness of Nehemiah can be the same boldness in your life. It must be. Boldness is a necessary attribute of faith in God. That is what the earth is groaning for. The book of Galatians says that all of creation is groaning that the sons and daughters would be revealed. The sons and daughters of God be revealed. Because what is inside of you, the anointing, and he who lives on the inside of you, the Spirit of God, is the change the world must have and needs. And it is through your bold believing that people will be saved, set free, delivered, encouraged, strengthened, loved, and blessed. How many knows you're called to be a blessing to your city, your county, your nation? So Nehemiah, here he is. He's a cupbearer of the king. And he gets a word from his brethren. Turn with me. You're in Nehemiah 2. Look at Nehemiah 1. Nehemiah 1. Nehemiah 1, verse 3. Nehemiah's brother, his physical brother, and some other men, they have come from Jerusalem. Now, keep in mind, Nehemiah, he is the third and last wave group party, traveling party from Persia to Jerusalem. There's already been two more men, more people than him that have already went before him years before. So when he gets word from his brother and these friends, he's expecting different news than what he gets. He's assuming that the people who've went before him will do what, the, what God's commanded to do. Rebuild the temple, rebuild the walls. So he asked, verse 3 of chapter 1, And they said to me, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. 
the news that Nehemiah got was not happy news. The news that Nehemiah got was the exact opposite of what he was hoping for. There were people who went before him. It should already be being built. It should be already being done. And you know what? You'll come to crossroads in your life where someone should have already done something about so-and-so or this or that, but they failed to do it. And instead of turning and saying, well, it ain't my responsibility. No, you allow the Spirit of God to rise up on you, as in Isaiah 58. I am a repairer of the breach. I have been called for such a time as this. Esther, that, you know, she said that in Esther chapter 4. Esther, a queen, we see her. She, her, her Mordecai, her uncle, comes to her and says, you know what, Esther? You've been placed in this position. Same king with Nehemiah. You've been placed in this position to do something to save your people. And Esther said, well, maybe someone else can do it because if I go before the king, I'll die. And Mordecai says, it's for this time you were born. Say, I was born for this time. You know, that's why I'm not afraid. I wasn't afraid on October 6, 2020, when Naomi was born. I was not afraid. What about the world she's being born into? She's being born into the kingdom of heaven. She will not be subject to the destructive woes of sin. She will be trained in the ways of God. And in her old age, she'll not depart from them. So I'm not afraid to have her or any other children. And when I say have, I'm just there for moral support. Laura does the having. Don't be afraid of the circumstance or times. But there may be a godly sorrow and compassion that comes on. You look at verse 4 of chapter 1. When Nehemiah hears this, so it was. When I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Nehemiah was bold and he was bold to act. Uh, it, again, if you haven't read the book, uh, spoiler alert, but he goes and he does what God commands him to do, which is to build the wall. He builds the wall around Jerusalem because without the wall being built, they can't start on the city. And unless they start building the wall and the city and get people back there, they can't go back into the worship of Jehovah at the temple. And God said, you're going to worship me in this place that I set my name on. Nowhere else. This is where I say to come meet me. And, and, and unless they get this wall built and these houses filled and people coming back and people not scared to death to come to the place God has put His name on, they can't move forward. How many knows it's time to be in church? Amen? And obviously you know that because you're here. There, there, it makes a different gathering with people that believe in God. Nehemiah, he had this godly sorrow come on him. My God. Jerusalem, the place which bears your name, is in ruin. If you're going to walk boldly before man and boldly before God, you will have a spirit of defense for the things of God. You will honor the anointing. You will honor the things of God. It won't be a light thing. The presence of God will not be a light thing. Whether it's in your home 
or here in this church or any other place, if you're there and the presence of God is there, how many of us not time to check my notifications on my phone? When I was preparing yesterday, uh, you know, it was later in the evening, and I knew I needed some, I just wanted to spend some more time in prayer. And Laura was in the, Naomi was asleep, Laura was in the, in the living room, and I said, I'm going to go pray for a little bit, and when I'm done, I'm done, and I, I'll come on back. And um, I, I, at first I thought, well, maybe, you know, I could set a certain amount of time or this or that, but then I thought, you know what, is it even really me encountering God and desiring Him to change and form and fashion me and give me something that I can't produce on my own, the anointing, if I have to set a timer or if I need to know what time it is. So I just left it, left the phone, left the watch out, literally went in the closet because it's pitch black and it's very, very um, soundproof, so I didn't hear distractions. And when I was done, then I came out. When I sought the face of God, then I came out. And you know, there, there, there's a necessary requirement to being bold towards mankind and towards the Lord. There's a boldness towards the Lord. Hebrews 4.16 tells us that we can boldly enter in to the throne room of grace, obtain mercy, find grace in a time of help because the blood of Jesus has made us near. And there, there's this relationship that we can see with Nehemiah and other men of God and other women of God in Scripture and on the earth and in your life. There's this relationship and there's this knowing that I know God. My heart is set toward the things of God. I love what God loves. I cherish what God cherishes. I want what God wants. Some people are set aback by that. And they think, well, wow, aren't our hearts deceivingly wicked? They were before the blood of Jesus. The heart of man is deceivingly wicked. But when you get saved, you get a new heart. Ezekiel tells us that. I will put a new heart of flesh in you and a new spirit. And this new spirit, it comes, it regenerates me, and it changes me, and it makes me want the things of God. So that when you hear something, you react the, the way God would react you react in the same manner in which the Lord would react. And Nehemiah said, when I saw, when I heard these things, my heart was broken. My heart wept. Now, what I like about Nehemiah is he just didn't stop there. Notice this. He had faith in God. Verse 5, same chapter, chapter 1, verse 5. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great an awesome God, you who keep your covenant in mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Please let your ear be attentive. Verse 6, your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant. Nehemiah is praying a prayer that he knows will be heard. Nehemiah is speaking to someone he knows. We see this through the entire book. Again, if you read through it, you'll see it time and time again. Nehemiah says, God in heaven, I'm coming before you. God in heaven, please see what I've done. God in heaven, remember what I've done. God in heaven, you see the enemies of Jerusalem. Remember what they did. Nehemiah had faith towards God. He had an assurance that when he prayed, he would be... He would have an answer come from him. Verse 6, When I pray before you now and day and night for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. 
when I was reading this, you can take this prayer, 5 through 11, and you can pray this prayer, and it will fit perfectly. Just simply change the name Israel and put in our nation, America. For the children of America, your servants, confess the sins of the children of America, which we have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. We have very corruptly, corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant, servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I'll scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandment, there it is, repentance produces revival. If you'll return to me and keep my commandment and do them, though some of you are cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I've chosen as a dwelling place for my name. Nehemiah knows God. Nehemiah knows the Word of God. And Nehemiah is rehearsing the covenant before God and saying, Lord, I hear about Jerusalem. It's in destruction. It's burnt. The walls are broken down. But your Word said that if we'll return to you, you'll bring everyone that was cast out back in. Now these are your servants and your people whom you've had redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O oh Lord, I pray... Please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day. I pray, grant him, himself, mercy in the sight of this man, the king. And then he states, for I was the king's cupbearer. You may notice something that sounds familiar. When we opened up chapter 2, verse 20, Then I answered to them and said unto them, the God of heaven, He will prosper us. Nehemiah arrives to Jerusalem to do the work of the Lord. He arrives to rebuild the walls because he has faith in God. He has faith in God that God will prosper him because he asked him. Verse 11 of chapter 1, And let your servant prosper this day. Nehemiah was close to God. And when you're close to God, there's no counterfeit to closeness with God. You can't fake it. You, if you are, you are. If you're not, you know it. But when you're close to God, when you rest in the promise that the blood of Christ has made the doorway to the throne room of grace wide open, John 10, 9, I am the door, and he who comes in through me will go back and forth, in and out, and have pasture. When you know it, you know it. And when you know it, you live from that place of knowing. And Nehemiah had faith in God. Bold men, bold women have faith in God. If it's all your own strength, my own strength, it will be very quickly seen because man can only do what man can do. But what I'm talking about is being bold for the Lord, standing out front, making a stand for the things of God so that He will back you up. Someone say, back me up. When you know God, God will back you up. It's a bold thing. But it's true. When you have a relationship with God, He will back you up.
Romans 8.31 says this, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God's got my back, what does it matter of any attack? Who cares? Nehemiah gets to that place. The walls are broken down. They're nothing but rubble. The gates have been burnt. But God said, rise up and build. So we're going to rise up and build. He knew God would back him up. He knew that God would back him up. So in verse 11 of chapter 1, he says, prosper your servant. Well, you're right there. Just jump on down a couple verses in chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 4. Then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah. There's something on the inside of me that God's put there and Judah needs it. There's something on the inside of you that God's put there and your family needs it. Your workplace needs it. Your city needs it. Your church needs it. The people you may not have met, but God will put across your path so that you can tell them about Jesus. They need it. There's a change factor in you. The Spirit of God. The anointing of God. And Nehemiah says, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tomb, that I may rebuild it. I know there's been other waves, other parties to go back and rebuild. But the rebuilding has not been accomplished. Send me. Someone say, send me. Send me. I can do it. I know that if you'll let me go, God will back me up. And when you get in a close relationship with the Lord, you realize that what you put your hands to is going to prosper. You realize that if I submit myself to God, then He is faithful and just who has promised, and He will fulfill His promises. You know, when you find a promise of God, and you find a promise in His Word, whatever it is, you say, you know what, that's for me. I receive it, I believe it, I'm going to act on it, and God will back me up. Well, you don't look healed. By the stripes of the Lord Jesus Christ, I am healed, and God will back it up. I just have to do the believing. I don't have to do the healing. God will back me up. The grace of God is that he, though He was rich, He made Himself poor so that I may be made rich so that I can be generous in all occasions. I'm a generous person. Well, there ain't no money in your bank account. God will back me up. What God wants to do in your life, He will do through your life. You've got to grab a hold of that. What God wants to do in your life, He'll do through your life. God doesn't use FedEx. God, I'm believing that you'll prosper me. Honey, has the FedEx trunk, uh, truck came with a $100,000 check in it? No, not yet. God, I believe you'll prosper me. Here, AJ, here's a profitable idea. That sounds too much like work, Lord. God, I believe you'll prosper me. What God wants to do in your life, He's going to do through your life. God, I'm believing to see my family saved. That may, you may be the one. You may be the one to come and say, Look, I love you too much for you to go to hell a real place for all of eternity. 
God, I'm believing, whatever it is. I'm be- oh, here's a good one. Father, I'm believing that you're going to bless my marriage and you're going to straighten out my wife. AJ, you're the problem. Lord, I rebuke not. <laughs> what, what God's going to do in your life, he's going to do through your life. AJ, you the one need to be straightened out. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Straighten me out. Lord, I believe you're going to bless my children. I'm going to drop them off at the church. Drop them off at the church. But we got them for three hours if they come two times a week. There's 165 other hours throughout the week that someone else is speaking into their lives. Amen? AJ, you're the one to train them up. Teach them how to pray. Let them see you praying every day. Let them see and study my word every single day. Love them with the love of Christ. Okay, Lord, I'll do that. Yes, Lord. What God wants to do in your life, He's going to do through you. And when you're close with God, living in His presence, you realize, you know what? I want what God wants. Psalms 20 says it this way. Give unto me according to your own heart and fulfill your counsel. We will rejoice in your salvation. In the name of God, we'll set up banners and the Lord will fulfill all my petitions. And then verse 7 says this. Psalms 27. Some of you know it. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. It does no good to remember the name of the Lord of their God. No, it's got to be my God. You know, when Paul was going before Caesar in Acts chapter 27, they're on this boat, and it was a told-you-so trip. He said, I told you so, we shouldn't have went. Because the storm, think about this, the storm of a century... The storm of a century, Satan sent out to destroy that boat because Paul was going to give Caesar, the man that ruled the world, an account and witness of Christ Jesus. When you strike out to do something for God, there will be pushback. There will be someone or people... Maybe someone that's, you know, family or coworkers or whatever. There's going to be some naysayers. There's going to be some haters. Let me say this. There are some folks, again, you don't, we're not warring against flesh and blood, but there are some people that they have aligned themselves with wickedness. And if they don't get upset with you, that's a bad thing. They should because of who's inside you. And so Paul, here he is, he said, look, for there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and who I serve. God's going to back me up. You shouldn't have went. We shouldn't have left. I wasn't in control. You made the decision. I told you not to do it, but here we are. But the God who I serve, he sent his angel and he said, Paul, you're going to Rome. So guess what, boys? We're going to Rome. You're not going to be able to go in this boat, though, but we're making it to Rome. How you know, Paul? Because my God said we would. Nehemiah said, boys, we're going to rebuild the walls. Arise and build up because the God in heaven will prosper us. I'm not looking for any other help from any other place. Some trust in chariots, some horses, but I will remember the name of the Lord our God. My trust is in God alone because He is the immovable, unshakable, eternal living God. And when this whole earth starts, is right now being shook 
and shaken. And everything that can be shaken is being shaken. We're planted on solid ground. And we're going to rise up and build. Nehemiah had a zeal for the things of God. His heart was turned to the Lord. Now look at this. As we come to a close, we've got some precious people we're going to baptize today. How many is excited for that? As we're coming to a close, I want you to see this. Nehemiah 2.20, it says this, Therefore we, his servants, will rise up and build. Nehemiah chapter 2, you're there. We just looked at verse 4. Then the king said to me, What do you request? And what does he say? The last part of verse 5. Send me that I may rebuild it. People who are bold for God take action on the word of God. King, why else? I mean, you're asking me why I'm sad. The last thing a king wants is a sad cupbearer. You understand? Because he would test taste the wine to make sure it's not poison. Some, if you ever become a cupbearer, make sure you have a good life insurance and policy on you and put me as the beneficiary. Because on the day, you know, if you're doing your job right, we know you're doing your job right if... And then the king says, well... He was a good cupbearer. We sure are going to remember him. I'd rather be alive than remembered, amen? We're going to remember him. Give me another cupbearer that's as good as him. Who wants to volunteer? No. <laughs> I'll clean the port of John King, but not the cupbearer. Nehemiah, he's sad in the countenance of the king. And the king says, why are you sad? He said, how can I not be sad? The city who is the city of my father's. But even more than that, it's the city whose my God has placed his name upon is in ruins. And I just believe, King, that if you'll send me, I can rebuild it. I just believe, King, that if you'll make a way for me, give me leave of absence, I can go and rebuild it. Because God's put it on my heart. If God puts something on your heart, he wants you to do it. I've met a lot of people, and the Lord put something on their heart for me to do. And that's how I knew it wasn't the Lord. You know, the Lord told me we should probably do this, and I think that would be good for you to do, AJ. Well, he's got my number. When he calls me up, I'll take action on it. But if he put it on your heart, he wants you to do it. Someone say quick. Quickly obey. Faith quickly obeys. What is delayed obedience? It's a nice way of saying sin. My mother never cared for delayed obedience. When are you going to clean your room, AJ? Oh, in about six months. No, that's disobedience. I said to clean the room, so do it now. Right? Look at this. Turn to chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 9. Chapter 4, verse 9. Nehemiah gets there, he begins to put people to the task of rebuilding the wall. And he assigns people to do the task where they live. Always, 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 someone say always, always. begin with yourself. Faith in God in your life is a witness. 
But if there's no faith of God in your life, then you have no authority to speak into someone else's life. You know, I've been, um, I've been practicing guitar. I've been playing guitar for a long time. But in March of this year, I just fell in love with it all over again. And I've just been playing. And there's, since March today, since March till today, there's been two or three days where I've not sat down and practiced my guitar and had a guitar in my hand. As little as 10 minutes to two hours. Whatever. But I've been, I've been diligently doing that because I want to get better. I kept hearing myself, and I said, you know, it just ain't that impressive. <laughs> I said, I can do better than this. So one of the things I did was I went online, and I said, well, you know, you can do anything in the age of the Internet. And so I found this place, uh, and I particularly like not the lyrics. The lyrics will drive you back crazy and make you depressed. But I love the music of blues music. I love the soul and the rhythm of blues guitar. And so I said, that would be really fun if I could learn those because there's this whole scale-type caricature to blues playing. So what did I do? I went and found a guy who's better than me so that I could learn from him. I would never go find someone who knows less or does less than me to learn from them. No one takes me serious. Are you making yourself serious to be taken? No one takes me serious. Are you displaying and taking action and saying, you know what? Here's a problem. I can build it. I can fix it. I can do it. You know what? I'm going to rise to the task in my life so that I can pour into other people. Yes, if we need prayer. Yes, if we need encouragement. We should lean on our brothers and sisters in Christ. Absolutely. But if you're always the prayer case, at some point you need to be the prayer prayer. If you're always the one who needs it, some point you've got to rise up and say, you know what? He who is greater than the spirit of the world is residing on the inside of me. And you know what? There may be a time where I need some prayer help too, but I'm going to be a pray prayer and a pray answerer getter. That's not good English. You'll remember it. I'm going to be a pray, prayer, answerer, getter for someone else. So Nehemiah put these people to rebuild the wall in front of their house. Because when you put yourself in focus and you begin to work on your life and you master things, the things of God, in your life, you'll become a testimony for Jesus. And there was one, I love it, in, in 320... Baruch, he worked with fervor. All the men were working, but Baruch, he did it good. When you do something, do it well. If the name of Jesus is going to be on you in your life, then give Jesus something to be proud of. You would be amazed how much of a difference that would make in the testimony of the church. I shouldn't have to go pick you know, someone's business just because they're Jehovah Jireh landscaping. Well, you know, I'm a Christian, you're a Christian, so you should give me money. Yeah, but if I let you come to my house, are you going to run your lawnmower through my flower bed when you're not looking? I don't care if you serve the Lord. If you don't weed eat, I don't want you. I shouldn't have to rely, well, I'm a Christian, so you should support me too. No, do you do your job well? Lord, promote me, Lord. You show up late and leave early. 
promote me, God. You look on your phone half the time you're at work. That'll preach, won't it? Woo, Jesus. Hey, we're going to shout it down. Give the Lord something to be proud of. I just believe the people of God who have the Spirit of God will hold themselves at a higher standard. Amen. Chris agreed with me, so I know I'm right. Amen. All right, let's finish up here. Turn with me to chapter 6. Coming to a close. Chapter 6. Verse 1. Nehemiah's there. He's in Jerusalem. They're doing the work. They're building the temple. The people are building their wall in front of their house. Verse six, verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 1. Now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it, though at the time I had not hung the doors and the gates, that Sambalat, Geshem sent to me saying, Come let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. And Nehemiah said, Oh no. But they thought to do me harm. There's a lot here. Again, I got so much time, and that really is the problem, right? Limited time. There's so much going on in here, but there's some enemies. The moment you strike out to live your life and do things God's way, there'll be some enemies. I don't think you should raise your children that way. Well, you know, no offense, but I see your precious little loved ones and I think I want mine to turn out a little bit different. I don't think you should do that. I don't think you should be tithing out of that church. Well, you know, forgive me, but I just live in high blessing and the windows of heaven are open over my life and I, everything I put my hands to is prosperous, so I think I am just keep on going. I don't know if you should live. That's a little radical to live to that book. Well, you know, sweet honey thing, uh, I can see the fruit of your life and, and though I like fruit, I don't want mine with worms and bruises and rottenness in it, so I think I'll just keep on, not because it's me, because every one of us have a choice. And when you make a choice, there'll be some people who don't like your choice. But, be, but people who are bold for God, they don't mind the opinions of man. Not like, oh, I'm, that's fine, you can tell me your opinion. No, I'm not taking thought of what you're saying. Because the moment you start to do something of value, they're going to come up. Uh, Nehemiah, come, come talk to us. We need to speak to you. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. You don't want to speak to me. You want to destroy me. There are some people you need to love from afar. Because if they come into your life, they'll sabotage it. You know, it's like with temptation. And those that are, uh, we're about to enter into baptism, the, the precious ladies that are going to be baptized today, you can go ahead and make your way to the back. And we're coming quickly to a close, so you can go ahead and get ready. There are some people that I've talked to in years, times past and recently, and it's concerning temptation. Will God empower you to overcome temptation? Every single one of them. But you know, it's a whole lot easier not to be tempted. Jesus said, Lord, don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's a whole lot easier not to be tempted. You know, before Friday night... Monday through Friday, there were no chocolate chip cookies in my house. You know how many I ate? 
we decided to go get something to eat for supper Friday night, and so, you know, we're waiting anyway, so we might as well swing through Ingles, and if you're in Ingles, you might as well go through the bakery, and since the baker's dozen chocolate chip cookies was a dollar off, you might as, you're losing money not to buy it. So Monday through Friday, zero cookies. Friday night, four. It's easier not to eat the cookie if it ain't there. I could buy the cookie and say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Get behind me. And what would happen? Laura goes to bed. And I, you know that plastic container? You can't open it quietly. Pow. You know, and eat it in secret. It's just easier not to be in that situation. And, it's, and if there's some people, they've stated their case, they've become an enemy to the things of God, I love you, but you don't get access to my life. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that you be saved, but you don't get to live in my home, whether it's really there or in my thoughts. You don't get to have access to my family because I love you and I love myself and I love my family too much. Verse 3, so I sent messengers of the, to them, Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem. I sent messengers to them. I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? I'm doing the things that God's commanded me to do. Why should I quit to go talk to someone who's doing, who knows what they're doing, but it's not what God's commanded? Well, you know, there's going to be opinions. Plenty of, everybody's got one, right? Like armpits, and a lot of them stink. Everyone's got an opinion of what you should do with your life. But show me what you're doing with yours. There's a man of God, I heard him say this. He said, don't come and tell me you're anointed or that you're called. Show me how you treat your family, and I'll tell you if you're anointed and if you're called. Why should I come down to you? I'm doing what God has purposed in my heart to do. And like Jesus, as it said in the book of Isaiah 50, verse 7, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I shall not be confounded. I'm not going to be confused. I'm going to walk in perfect wisdom. God's going to give me wisdom to do the task. God's going to resource me and provide for me that I can rise up and build. God's going to direct these feet into green pastures and alongside still waters. And I'm not going to walk in confusion, but wisdom. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. Nehemiah said, I'm not stopping what I'm doing because I'm on a mission from God. A little bit different mission than the Blues Brothers were on. They were on a mission from God, or so they say. Now we're finishing up here. Verse 4, they sent this message to me four times. Come on, we won't talk to you. We'll buy you dinner. And the plane of oh no. Oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. Then Sambalat sent his servant to me the fifth time. He was persistent. Then he said this, it is written, verse 6, it's reported among the nations, and Geshem says, so-and-so says, so-and-so who has no access to your life, they lied about you and said... That you and the Jews plan to rebel, therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. Well, I heard this about you. Why didn't you just come talk to me? 
And you have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, There's a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king. Some, so come, therefore, and let us consult together. I'm trying to do this for your own benefit, Nehemiah. I want to talk to you before I have to report you of these things I've heard. If it's a lie, don't be afraid of it. Lies will always be found out. They lying on me. Let them keep on lying. They will entrap them on, their own selves in their lies. But those that serve God will not be ashamed. Verse 8, so I sent them saying, No, no such things are you saying are being done. You invent them in your heart. Some people just make things up. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be intimidated by it. It's nonsense. Can't have any effect on your life. It, the truth will be revealed. Now notice this. Verse 9, for they were all trying to make us afraid. There's some people that will task, task themselves alongside the intent of Satan just to make people afraid. Their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not be done. They ain't going to do it. They said they could, but they ain't going to do it. Now, therefore, oh God, this is Nehemiah's prayer. You hear what they're saying? They're saying we can't do it, Lord, but we've set out to do something in your name, so God give me the strength to do it. I'm not going to heed what they say. They're lying about it. They're threatening. They want to hurt and harm. But you've given me something to do, and I'm going to do it. So give me the strength. Verse 15. So the wall was finished on the 52nd day, or on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. In less than two months, Nehemiah did what was not done for decades because he was bold to take action on behalf of God. Because he allowed the Lord to so strongly move his heart, he said, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I won't back down. I won't back down. I won't back down. I have set myself to the course. I'm going to run it. And I won't be done running until I've arrived at the finish line. I'm going to do what God has said to do. And that's the choice we all have. Every day, I'm going to live my life according to His Word. I'm going to be the spouse, the husband or wife, according to His Word. I'm going to raise my children according to His Word. I'm going to be a church member according to His Word. I'm going to be a worker in the workplace according to His Word. Now is the time, not tomorrow, not yesterday. Right now is the day of the Lord, and I'm going to act on the Word of God. Now's the time to soul win. Now is the time to give into the kingdom. Now is the time to get married. Now is the time to have children. Now is the time to build strong families. Now is the time to study the Word of God more than ever. Now is the time to pray. Now is the time to intercede and go before the Lord. Now is the time to know God. Right now. Right now is the time to rise up and build. Who's going to rise up and build? Who's going to take action? Who believes God's going to back them up? Give them a hand clap of praise if you do. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to baptize some folks. So just Stay where you're at and honor your church family. Amen. All right. Ms. Andrew, you first. I'm going to go up first. Okay. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah, if you want to take some pictures, family members, feel free to move. Go ahead and wherever you want to sit to get some pictures, you're more than welcome. We're, we're going to have some, we'll obviously have video of it. Ms. Anna's taking some still shots as well, but whatever you want to do, this is a big deal. And... Um, Church family, as you're here, just we're going to celebrate with them. Amen? 
But also know this. This is, a, this is a decision that they have made that they want to publicly confess that Jesus is their Lord. They're doing this not just for them but for your sake as well, saying, hey, church family, I believe on Jesus. He's my Lord, and I'm going to live for him all my days. All right? Andrea, we've got Miss Andrea coming first. Warm or cold? Warm. Warm, okay. All right, stand up. I'm going to come here and then turn around for me. Yep, face Miss Laura. And you can stand just for a moment, okay? I'm going to ask you a few questions, okay? Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? And is he Lord of your life? And you're going to live for him all of your days. All right? Miss Andrea, if you cross your hands, if you need to plug your nose, you can. I baptize you my sister, and the Lord, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, buried into Christ, and raised with Him in the heavenly places. In Jesus' name, be blessed. Amen. All right. Same thing. Stand here and turn around and face Miss Laura. Aaron, do you believe Jesus died for your sins? That he's risen from the dead? He's Lord of your life. You're going to live for him all your days. All right, you can cross your hands. If you need to plug your nose, you can. Go ahead and take a seat. It'll be a little bit easier. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Buried with Christ, raised with Him, seated in heavenly places. Be blessed in Jesus' name. I think we got one more. All right. How many is happy? Yes. That's what baptism is. It's an outward expression of what's taking place on the inside. Amen? We have been buried with Christ. The old me is gone, and I've been raised with Jesus, and I'm seated in heavenly places. All right, Miss Suzanne, you probably know the drill at this point. You can turn around here, and you can take a seat. You can go ahead and take a seat, a little bit taller. And I'm going to ask you a few questions, of course, as well. You believe Jesus died for your sins, and he's risen from the dead. He's Lord of your life, and you're going to live for him all your days. Amen. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, buried with Christ, risen with Him, seated in heavenly places. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's stand up on our feet, church. How many is thankful for Jesus and His saving power? Amen? Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before You, God. We bless Your name, Lord. We thank You, Lord God, that You have made us more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We understand and realize You have filled us with Your Spirit. We are Your children, Father. Now I ask this. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I want to rise up in boldness before the Lord, but I've never made Jesus Lord of my life. Maybe you just saw a loved one baptized or 
you're here and you saw the baptism for the first time, or maybe it's something you remember growing up in church, as every head is bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you're not right with God, now's the time to do it. Today is the day of salvation. You don't know what tomorrow, if it will even come. But right now is the day which God has extended His grace towards you. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, or you might say, well, A.J., I did at one time, but I'm not right with God. I, couldn't, I can't say that, I'm, that God has my back because I'm so far from Him. Now's the time to return. If you're here today and you want to make things right with God, just you, me, and the Lord, slip your hand up right now if you want to make things right with God. We're going to believe God. Amen. We're all going to pray together because we're a family and that's what church does. Let's all pray, pray together with those that raise their hand. Say, Heavenly Father, I repent of sin. I believe you sent Jesus, your Son, to die for me. And He's alive risen from the dead. And I confess Him Lord of my life because I believe on Him as my Savior and my Lord. Now, Father, I'll live for You all of my days. I submit myself to You. Lead me. Guide me. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. Love you. Praise the Lord.